Hear that? <laughs> yeah, so nice to be with you, everybody. Um, what, a great, what a great weekend. It's just been wonderful. Uh, and as you know, what we've been working on this weekend is uh, recognizing how important it is to nourish our creative spirit within, because it's through our creative spirit that we collaborate with our maker, and without that collaboration, we can never fully become the people or the parents or the partners that we're intended to be. Uh, to have a good collaboration, it's important that we uh, have good communication. It's important that we have a relationship. Without good communication, without a relationship, a collaboration is impossible with anybody and certainly impossible with our, our maker. But communicating, collaborating with uh, God is an interesting experience because He is, uh, though we are created in His image, God is, is uh, unlike us in some ways. It's a, he's in a different place. He's here with us through His Holy Spirit. He's there. He's in the person of Christ. How do we communicate with God? And so we, uh, we help ourselves by practicing some disciplines. We grab, we interrogate, we transform. Those are the three creative disciplines, you remember? Uh, but they're also, it's also a spiritual discipline if we're intentionally um, and through the Holy Spirit asking God to give us thoughts that grab our heart. We interrogate those and we see what God wants us to do with those as we transform them into things in our, our life. We also have a discipline that we can use that's very helpful and that is uh, learning how to be uh, good observers of of our lives and things in life. By the way, with my students, I recommend, uh, like my experiment with the Gator bottle, I recommend that they, they observe something new every day. Just take five minutes. Uh, and, and wonderful stories about somebody who picks up a pencil and goes, I'm observing this pencil. And uh, I haven't looked at a pencil. How many sides does a pencil have? What does that lead look like? What's that, what's that eraser look like? Oh, it doesn't look like erasers used to when I was a kid. I remember that's a different. Oh, look, somebody's been chewing on this pencil. Um, could that be my granddaughter? She's been a little anxious lately. I wonder if that means something. Anyway, you begin to grab things as a result of, of doing that. Another wonderful discipline, I learned from a, a friend, an old friend. Uh, he had once been... Uh, a university president of, of my college, um, and then went on after retiring from that. He never was my, the president of, of, he was the president of my college. He was never my president because by the time I got there, he had just retired. But then he went on to become a writer, and I ended up at some conferences with him. His name was uh, Carl Olson, a wonderful old guy. And he wrote a book called Finding Yourself in the Bible, which is, uh, in which he describes a spiritual discipline, which is really wonderful which he called Finding Yourself in the Bible. And it, it includes several steps. And I want to lead you through these steps today, walk you through these steps. And then um, hopefully later this morning, you'll have a chance to do this uh, yourself after I've gone. But this is, it's a wonderful process. And the neat thing about this is you can do this um, all by yourself in your own quiet time with God, in your own time of, of reading Scripture and praying. You also can do this, it's a wonderful thing to do in, in groups. Uh, so if you're in a small group or in a Bible study, this is a, you could bring this to the group and say, hey, why, why don't we try this? It's especially wonderful with stories and narratives. Um, the process of finding yourself in the Bible uh, has several steps. And the first one is to enter into the story. And the way that we enter into the story is, uh, first of all, by reading the story. So I'm going to read... Uh, you a story this morning. This is from 
the book of Mark, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, I believe. And we're going to pop this up so you can read this along as I, as I read. This is from the message. Uh, so I'll just read this to you. That's the first step in uh, finding yourself in the Bible. After a few days, Jesus returned to Capernaum. Uh, excuse me, I'll take my glasses off here. I'm struggling a little bit. And word got around that he was, and word got around that he was back home. A crowd gathered, jamming the entrance so no one could get in or out. He was teaching the word. They brought a paraplegic, a para, a paraplegic to him, carried by four men. When they weren't able to get into the house because of the crowd, they removed part of the roof and lowered the paraplegic on his stretcher. Impressed by their bold belief, Jesus said to the paraplegic, Son, I forgive your sins. Some religion uh, scholars sitting there started whispering among themselves. He can't, he can't talk that way. That's blasphemy. God and only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew right away what they were thinking and said, Why are you so skeptical? Which is simpler? To say to the paraplegic, I forgive your sins, or to say, get up, take your stretcher, and start walking. Well, just so it's clear that I'm the Son of Man and authorized to do either or both, he looked now at the paraplegic. Get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home. And the man did it. He got up, grabbed his stretcher, walked out with everyone there watching him. They rubbed their eyes, incredulous. And then praise God saying, we've never seen anything like this before. The first process is, is to read, simply, simply to read the story. That's how we begin to enter into it. Uh, and then the second thing that you do is you think about the story that you just read and you identify in the story anything that grabbed you. Now, again, when I say grabbed you, it's something that, that grabbed you emotionally. And again, when I, say emo when I talk about something grabbing you emotionally, I mean, if it's, it, it, I, I don't mean you have to laugh out loud or you have to start crying or you have to be angry, but it might be just like, what, does, what is that? Isn't that interesting? That's an emotional response. Do you see what I mean? Like, that, that's so, that is, what does that mean? That's an emotional response. It, maybe the, most, the emotion is confusion. I'm not sure. But what, what, what grabs you, what stands out to you or jumped out to you? When I was reading this the other day, preparing for this morning, a couple things uh, jumped right out at me. The first one was, um, I was grabbed by the fact uh, that it was the faith of the four men uh, that impressed Jesus and not the man on the stretcher himself. The, it said that the four friends let the man down and Jesus when he saw the faith of the men, he was impressed by that. Well, that, that impressed me. It's like, well, isn't that interesting? He, he saw their faith, and because of their faith, he ends up healing this man. That, that just that caught my attention. So I, I grabbed it. I wrote it down. That's what you would do. If you're in a group, you would say, this was interesting to me as we read through. It jumped out at me. You just make a note of that so you've got it for your discussion. Uh, the second thing that grabbed me is um, the idea that Jesus knew what the Pharisees in the room were thinking at, and, and saying at the very moment that they were saying it. They weren't saying it out loud. They weren't speaking to one another saying, who, who does he think he is to, trying to uh, forgive sins? Only God can do that. He, he, they weren't saying it out loud so anybody could hear them. 
But Jesus said to the man, your sins are forgiven. And immediately he looks at these guys who are saying this. That grabbed me because I, I, I kind of imagined myself, just for a, a split second, I imagined myself being one of those Pharisees saying something and then turning and seeing Jesus look right at me. And then Jesus says, why, why are you saying this? Why are you thinking this? Is, is, is it easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or, or get up your bed and uh, pick up your bed and walk away? That must have been, I can't, I, I'm tried to, it grabbed me, I tried to imagine what they would have been feeling, those Pharisees, when Jesus looked right at them and said that. How did he, how did he know, how did he know I was saying that? He can't possibly hear me in this place, how did he know? So that's the, sec, that's the second step, you, you grab anything that grabbed you, as you, just as you read through the story, like we did. The third thing is that you imagine the scene. And when I say you imagine the scene, I think it's helpful in any biblical story to try to, uh, in a cinematic kind of way, to enter into the scene. You don't have to, you don't have to spend a whole lot of time doing this, but if you, if you imagined in your mind what it would have looked like in that place, that dusty place with these four guys with a stretcher carrying their buddy, their buddy. Allow that to enter into your, your mind. Imagine what it might have, might have looked like. It may not have looked like this, we're not sure, but we do know that they tore the roof apart and let the guy down. That looks like a pretty clean hole that they, <laughs> in that, for the movie they made there. But just to imagine what it would have been like to, to see, for people to see that, um, that stretcher coming down into the room. Enter into it, imagine the scene. And, and if you're in a small group, to actually talk about that. Say, well, I imagine it looks like this. I imagine it does. Somebody might say, yeah, or it's like this, or whatever. The, the next step is to um, identify all of the characters in the scene. So um, I'm going to ask you, who, who are the main characters in the scene? Somebody yell it out. Anybody? Jesus, who else? The, the paraplegic, who else? The, the four guys, um, uh, who else? Those, those are the main characters, I suppose. Who are some others? Pharisees. The Pharisees, okay. The Pharisees are where? They're, they're in the crowd, and they're in the room there, right? Uh, or at least some of them are right in the room there with, with them. So there are other people in the room, too. Uh, men, women, what do you think? Yeah, both. They were both. Men and women were in that room, men and women. Some of those men and women were there because they were excited to see what Jesus was going to do. Uh, other, others, like the Pharisees, were in there maybe waiting to see if they can catch Jesus and, and get him to slip up in some way so that they would have, have something that they can uh, charge, charge him for. Um, who are some other people that we have? Any others? The disciples, yeah, they are not even mentioned in this story. We don't even hear about them. Almost certainly the disciples were in this room. We also have a lot of people outside this room. It's so crowded, nobody can get in. There were certainly some people outside as well, probably people looking in through, through the windows uh, to see if they could see what's going on there, see if they could see Jesus. An another uh, character that we don't, we're not told about, but I think it's an interesting character, Somebody owns this house. <laughs> that the, the, the ceiling is being torn out of, so they can let this this uh, guy down. So okay, so we have uh, the four friends. We have the paralytic. We have Jesus. We have the disciples. We have the people smashed in the room. The Pharisees are among them. We have men and women, townspeople. 
Uh, we have people outside the windows trying to get in. We have the owner of the house. The next step, once we've identified those characters, and that, that only takes a very short time. And you can usually do it in any story. You can do that in, in a minute's time probably, even imagining people that uh, were, are probably there that aren't mentioned in the story. You can usually do that in just a very short period of time. The next thing you do is you imagine, spend a little time imagining what the experience might have been for these various groups of people. We won't go through all of these right now this morning, but, but um, thinking, for example, about the, the four friends, um, that's a pretty, that's a, for, first of all, I'm impressed that he has four friends like this. Um, Imagine what it would be like to be a paraplegic in that day and in that time. He can't work, so he can't, he can't provide for himself, so he really becomes a, a pariah. He really is a, he's an outcast. And yet this man, how fortunate, he's got four friends like this who heard that Jesus was, was at this house. Um, a rumor kind of went around, or people started saying, Jesus is, is over here. It's not like, a, it wasn't on a schedule. It wasn't, they didn't get a chance to go to their friend a week ahead of time and say, hey, listen, Jesus is going to be here a week from Tuesday. He's got a scheduled event there that day in that house. How about we pick you up and we go see what we can do? It wasn't that situation at all. Um, they just heard, Jesus, this teacher is there. What do you say? What should we do? What was the process? What, what must these guys have been, have been feeling? Um, they must have felt ex excitement, huh? Would they feel excitement like, we're going to take our friend. We're going to see what happens here. Or uh, excitement because we're going to take him and he, he is going to be healed. He's actually going to be healed. This is, this is going to happen. Let's go. Or maybe it's, well, it's worth a try. We've got nothing to lose. He's not going to be any worse off. Then they get to the house and they realize, we can't get in there. There's no way. We can't even get, we can't get in. There's, there's no way we can get, we can't, we could hardly get the stretcher in the door anyway. And it's just packed with people. What are we going to do here? And one of them says, let's, let's go up on top of the roof and tear a hole in it. I mean, that's really, it's, what a risky thing to, that's risky faith right there because they're risking, first of all, they're risking um, retribution from the homeowner. You, you just don't do that. You don't tear somebody's roof apart. <laughs> and they're also, they're also risking, Jesus is speaking now. I mean, he's in the middle of his talk. And um, you, don't, you wouldn't normally tear a roof apart. There's stuff falling down. And then right in the middle of what Jesus is doing, lower it, it's absurd what they're doing. So I'm, I'm very impressed, aren't you, when you think about this? To think, what, what were these men thinking? What were they feeling? And what were then others in the room thinking when they saw this hole begin to open up? They, they have no idea what's going on. What is going on here? It, it must have been um, it, it, quite a surprise to see, oh my goodness, they're going to let this guy down on ropes into, and they had, to, they had to run and get ropes even. They had to, they had to figure, the, quick, run, go get this. And they had to figure out a way to get him down in front of Jesus. Really risky, risky thing that they, that they did. Um, so you identify with all of these different characters. They're, they're paraplegic. He can't do anything anyway. 
Um, so we, but we can imagine what he might have been thinking. He might have been thinking, oh, this is just, this is going to be really bad for me now. Uh, I'm going to be forever known as, as the one that Jesus rejected or, or didn't heal after all of this that we did. Or else, perhaps he's thinking, I know if I can get in there, uh, I, I, he'll, he'll heal, heal me. But Jesus looked up and he was impressed by the faith of these four friends. He was impressed by that. And the first thing he says is, uh, your sins are, are forgiven, um, which of course then right away ticked off the, ticked off the Pharisees. So you, uh, you, you choose these characters, you kind of scan down through them, and, and uh, if you have time, uh, you, would, you would try to imagine what every one of these people in the character, imagine what they're experiencing, what they're feeling at that, at that moment, at this moment. Then the next step uh, in, in the whole process, first you enter into the story by doing these things. Then you make the story your own. And the way that you make the story your own is you, you, just, you think about this from your personal experience. That is your experience right now here at camp, your experience back home, your experience with your, in your marriage, in your families, with your children. Uh, in your work, whatever these things are, because you're dealing with stuff. You're all dealing with stuff now. And some of you are dealing with, with, for some of you, this is kind of a sweet time of life. For others, right now, this is a tough time of life. But there's personal stuff going on with every single one of you. So you decide, from my personal experience, with stuff that's going on in my life right now, which character um, do I identify with in this story? I remember uh, reading this story years ago and going through this process with it. And without a doubt, the character that I identified with was somebody standing outside the window, looking through that window, just able to see Jesus in there. But because of stuff that I was dealing with right at that moment in my life, I didn't feel like I was on the inside at all. I didn't feel like I was close to Jesus at all, but I was close enough to look in the window and, and I, could, I could hear his voice a bit. At least I could see him. That's the way I felt. In other words, he's not, he's not gone. It's just I'm not very close, but at least, at least I'm here. At least I came, I got this close to him. That's the way I was feeling at, at that time. Um, so you identify with, with a character. Uh, when I was working on this last week, I was thinking, okay, who do I identify with now? Now, because I had done that before with this particular story, I immediately remembered who I identified with before. That's a, that's a neat thing about this process. When you go through it, you won't forget it. You'll remember who you identified with the next time you come to this story. But it might be somebody different this time. And I realized I don't feel that at the moment because of personal things in my life. I don't feel like I'm on the outside. I feel like I'm, I'm really very close to Jesus right now. So who do I identify with this in the story? And I found myself going, oh, I hope, because I, I have to do this talk, I hope I identify with somebody here, you know, because <laughs> I sure want this to work, you know. And uh, it, it immediately became really, really clear who, who I identify with in this story. Um, my wife, Judy, and I, we have uh, some friends 
who are our age, and their children are the age of some of you, and they have uh, two little kids, their eldest being a three-and-a-half-year-old uh, girl named Olivia. And Olivia is at Masonic Children's Hospital at the university um, suffering with neuroblastoma, uh, child bone cancer. And she was, uh, a year ago, this little curly-haired redhead, just, just a head full of curls like this, and, of course, now, now she's a, a little bald child. Um, but she's in the second phase of three phases of treatment. Um, and this is brutal um, childhood cancer. This is the most... I th some of you are probably doctors, so you know, but I'm quite certain this is one of the d most deadly of the child cancers. She got through the first phase, six months, doing better than most kids do. Um, and it was horrendous what they went through. Right now, she and her mom and dad are at Masonics for two months without leaving. Um, she is going through several bone marrow transplants. She's going through heavy doses of chemo. She is um, an ulcer from her mouth all the way through the other end, her whole digestive tract. Uh, it's, it's just horrendous what she's going through. She's about halfway through, or almost halfway through that second phase, and then she has to do it again. Right now, last week her blood count, whatever that blood count is, it was at zero, and, and uh, they were starting to build her back up again. But I mean, so, so near death, and it's a very, very, very frightening time. So Judy and I, because we love her grandma and grandpa and her mom and dad, and we've grown to love this little girl. Oh, I told you about her already, because she's the one we did the fundraiser for. I forgot about that. But we've been praying for her, and I have found, I have found that I've been praying for her. I, I write on Facebook or on Carrie Bridge, I say, praying for you continually, night and day. And it's, I'm not just saying that. I'm, I am praying for her continually, night and day. When I wake up at night, the first thing I'm doing is praying for Olivia, because I know she's probably not sleeping when I am. And um, I identify with one of the four friends here because I, I, Judy and I are, are lifting this child on the stretcher and we're carrying her to Jesus. We're trying to lower her right in, into, put her right at Jesus' feet. That's what we're, we're called uh, to do. And not only Judy and myself, but how many hundreds and hundreds of other people are feeling called um, yesterday when we did our prayer time, I got a card. We all got a couple, as you know. But I got one that said, please pray for Bebo. And I don't know Bebo, but I'm taking that, that card home with me. Or if, if you still have it, if you have that card, I'm taking that prayer home with me. And I'm going to pray for Bebo as I pray for Olivia because he's in the same place. I identify with one of those four friends. Now, the next stage, after you've identified with that, um, with, a, with a character, um, and that relates to your personal experience, what's going on in your life right now. You might feel like one of the Pharisees. You might feel like, um, uh, you might feel like the paraplegic. You might feel uh, like one of the people outside. Uh, but you identify with, with a character, your personal experience. Then you find the gospel. Gospel means the good news. You find the gospel in the story. And the way you do that is you use this phrase. The good news in this story for me is. 
That's the phrase you, you, you use. So uh, when you get to the end of the process, whether you're by yourself or whether you are doing it in a group, you would go around the circle and you would begin by saying, the good news in this story for me is. Some people will, will be tempted to begin this way. I really like this story because I thought it was really interesting how the men carried their f friend, and then also, I like the part of, that's not what we're doing here. <laughs> you begin, the good news in this story for me is. That forces you, do you see, to find what the gospel is, what the good news for you is. So uh, the other day as I was identifying with Olivia, I thought, well, what is the good news in this story for me? And I feel like the good news in this story for me is, though I do not know what Jesus will do any more than those four friends knew, though I do not know what Jesus will do, my faith requires me and even entitles me to place Olivia right at Jesus' feet. The good news for me is, though I do not know what Jesus will do, my faith requires and entitles me. Jesus is impressed with my faith. That's encouraging to me. It entitles me to put Olivia right at Jesus' feet. Then when you've identified the good news, and this is a fun step right here, you give the story a name. If you give the story a name, you will never forget that, what that story meant to you at this point in your life. So you give the story a name. So what might that be? And, and, and again, some people are really good at titles. Uh, I've never been good at titles. I've, I've written many, many, many songs in my life, and they're always like song one, song two. You know, I just, I just it's hard for me to that, to uh, advertising people are really good at this title, title part. Give the story a name. Uh, I, I named the story, There's No Need to Ruin the Roof. There's no need, no need to ruin the roof because Jesus invites me to, to carry Olivia and place her at his feet or place her right in his arms. So that's the process. You enter into the story. You make the story your own. You find the gospel or the good news. You give the story a name. If you, yeah, I was just going to suggest that you might want to snap a picture of that because you could take that home then. It'll, it'll be up here uh, other times here now in the morning. But uh, we'll give you a chance to try this a little bit later on. So let's pray. Okay, can we do that? God, I thank you for every person again. Thank you for their families. I thank you, God, that uh, you do desire to collaborate with each one of us. That's your deepest desire. And you invite us into that collaboration. That you speak to us clearly through your word and through your creation, through our relationships. God, I pray that you will even do that, even this morning, that you would continue to do that through the words that are spoken, the songs that are sung, the discussion that is had. We uh, praise you and thank you for this time we've had together as your brothers and sisters in Christ. We pray this in your name. Everybody said, amen. amen. Bless you all. Thank you. Pete. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Pete. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.